This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. I was imagining this as being an actual, real, you know, intimate event, a real, you know, dim light and comfort food and conversation. I asked them to chronicle the hard times, immigration challenges, chronic illness, loss, heartbreak, and more, and the foods that help them make it through. For anyone who's had a creative dream, Natalie Eve Garrett tells us how to make it happen. A dream dinner party inspired this artist and writer, now editor, to create her just-published book, Eat Joy, stories and comfort food from 31 celebrated writers. Coming up, you'll hear how food is a way into the heart of any story, how dark times can be healed through food, why food can be a metaphor for loss, grief, and homecoming, and how comfort food, from brownies to applesauce cake, can be the stuff that memories are made of. This is Natalie's story. In the vast culinary landscape we share, we are all carving out a place for ourselves. Each of us, in our own way, is a one-woman kitchen. I'm Roseanne Gold, and welcome to my kitchen. Natalie Eve Garrett, what a pleasure to have you here today. Thank Thank you. you so much for coming. You are... An artist yes. and a writer, but you have also become a rock star editor. <laughs> and your first book, The Artist and Writer's Cookbook, that you wrote in 2016, became a treasure. In fact, oh, I think you. Martha Stewart called it a gold mine. Oh my gosh. And today you're here because we're talking about your fabulous new book. It's already gotten such wonderful reviews. Mm. It's called Eat Joy yes. Stories and Comfort Food from 31 Celebrated Writers. And it's the kind of book, the trim size, it, it just makes you want to eat the book in addition <laughs> to eating joy. Oh, thank, you. Um, thank you. So how did this come about? Who are you? Oh my gosh. We want to know how you connected to this really deep and beautiful idea in, in both mm. books. Again, specifically Eat Joy because your book right. launched just last night. Yes. That's why it's such a thrill it to did. have you here thank right now. You. But also the Artist and Writer's Cookbook is, yes. is very, very special. Thank you so much. Food has always been a very important part of my life, although I did not get into cooking till I was really in my 20s. I was more into the eating aspect of food, <laughs> as, as one is um, sometimes. But I grew up in a very food-oriented family, and we could talk more about that later if, if, if you like. So, And then in my 30s, I started contributing artwork. I'm a painter. I'm trained as a... I have a an MFA in, in painting. And I was contributing my artwork to a website called The Hairpin, which is no more, but it is it has a very special place in my heart. And then I started contributing other things and I started doing some creative writing for them and contributing recipes as well and writing my own recipes. And one day I came upon a the artist the original Artist and Writers Cookbook because it was inspired by a book, a historical book from the sixties that bears the same name, which which you may know. Yes. Uh, called the Artist and Writers Cookbook that included people like Harper Lee and Man Ray and Duchamp. And I was just so enchanted and spontaneously decided that I was going to make a modern version. 
I, I had no idea what that would entail. And perhaps if I had known, I would not have been so ambitious, but it's better not to know sometimes. Definitely. And I don't even think of myself as spontaneous, but maybe when it comes to creative endeavors, I just dive in headlong, or maybe that's the only, maybe that's the way. Otherwise, you'd, well, it certainly has been your way. You'd, it's you'd, fa- and you'd it worry it too much. It does make it messy and wonderful. And so, yeah, so that's what I did. And I, I took a few years and it was, it was awful and it was wonderful and it was hard and it was glorious. And, and I, I slowly uh, amassed contributors and developed these wonderful relationships with all of these artists and writers who I admire so profoundly and got to meet you know, my idols and, and it was such a treat. And so that came out in, in 2016 and it's a very whimsical book, but it also has a lot of heart too. And it's, this one reviewer said it, it tells the story of, this is very dear to me. So I remember, I, I really thought about these words in 2016 when I was contemplating Eat Joy because it was kind of a dark time in my own life, which is in a dark time sort of in the world, I I feel. And maybe a lot of other people feel that way as well. But I thought about this review in which the writer wrote in the LA Times about my cookbook saying that it tells the story of what it sometimes means to be human, hungry, heartbroken, and hopeful. Mm. And it was so powerful. And so it meant a lot to me. And in 2016, when I was sort of I, it was a dark time in my life, well, in part because of the state of our world and, and in part because of personal challenge. A loved one received a diagnosis that I knew would really change their life forever and also change my own. And, you know, sometimes in these sorts of situations, we really brings out our inner strength and we rise above and we, we find our, our fortitude. And sometimes we just want to hide under the blankets for the rest of our lives, as I said last night. And this was sort of a hiding, burrowing time for me. And in, in, in my burrowed state, I, I had this vision of this, the most cathartic dream dinner party. It was sort of, was, I mean, I think it was in part inspired by you know, my cookbook, which has so recently come out. And I was imagining this as being an actual, real, you know, intimate event, a real, you know, dim light and comfort food and conversation specifically about the hard times and hunger and loss and hope and, you know, how we soldier forth and over and over again manage to keep on going and and make it through. And so, and that ultimately, so that dream dinner party ultimately became... Eat joy. Eat joy. Even though it's about love and loss and grief and... And healing. Yes, and food. Yeah, yeah. So this is really fascinating. You know, uh, One Woman Kitchen really is about everything you just just (laughs) talked about. And we have a variety of guests. And what's so fascinating is how each woman has created their own niche Mm. in the food world. Mm. I think women are very entrepreneurial. I think they're very creative. And they're risk takers. And that's Mm. what I'm hearing about you. Even though you're an artist, you're a risk taker. The fact that you had this vision that you saw, I did, I do know that book from a long time ago. In Mm. fact, I was a little curious when I saw the name of yours and thinking, what is the relationship of that? But that you had this idea and you went for it. And I'm sure there are many obstacles along the way. Maybe (laughs) we can hear a little bit about those too. But the first book, the Artists and Writers Writers book, uh, was very joyful. And this book, mm. even though it's called Eat Joy, is a little bit more about um, resilience yes. and the tougher times in life. Right. I definitely want to do a deep dive into who the writers are, what yes. they're writing about. But before we do that, Natalie, let's find out right. about you mm. and your love Thank of you. food and where mm. did you grow up? 
And let's go back to your kitchen of your childhood. Who is there and what's happening? Oh, I love that question. Thank you. The kitchen of my childhood. Well, my mom is a wonderful cook. And my background is um, Jewish Italian. So my my dad, my mom learned to cook. She didn't grow up in a very food-oriented family. Her mom, she had five brothers and sisters and her mom was exhausted and, and had her hands full and, you know, it was enough to just get, get food out. And that was sort of, that was it. That was, and she wasn't into cooking. It was just food. And my dad grew up in actually kind of very tough circumstances. His father died when he was young and he, he had, you know, single mom and he had to work jobs to, you know, help keep the family afloat. And so food was not really priority mm-hmm. in, in his childhood either. But the time that my dad did get fabulous food. I know, you know, anecdotally, I never got to, I mean, I experienced it as a baby. Of course, I don't remember. was when he spent summers with his grandparents, my great grandparents, who are Italian immigrants, they're no longer alive, were Italian immigrants. Um, They came over from Casorso, Italy, a tiny town in Northern Italy. In Northern Italy. Northern okay. Italy. Because that already tells us a little bit about the cuisine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they were, their names were Sperina and Ercol Gatta. Mm. So my dad actually changed his name to Garrett, but the last name was Gatta, the family, the family name. Though his mom was Jewish. I don't really know very much about her, which is a whole other story. And, and my mom's parents were both Jewish, and, but then we're the, we're the Garretts. So sometimes people mm. think, oh, maybe we're related. No. We're not related because <laughs> I'm only related to six carrots in the world. <laughs> and, yes. and, uh, no. An unusual but very, very pretty name. Natalie, where did you grow up? So where I grew was up this in the kitchen? DC, yeah, in the DC area, Maryland, right outside. But Washington, you said DC. you were interested in eating when you were young yes. and not so much in cooking. So that let's go back to the eating yes. part because your books are so sensual and so mm, much about food you. and taste and memory and smells and family and you know all of these emotions connected to yes. food. What what are you smelling? What are you eating as a young child? As a child, I mean, I think immediately of favorite things, but there weren't necessarily things I ate often. Um, my mom would love to make, and then still does make homemade pizza. You know, she'd roll out the dough and make delicious pizza, but it wasn't something that we would do regularly. And lasagna and you know risotto, and she she uh, homemade gnocchi. Um, so your mother made all of that. She she did. Wow, lucky my, you. I know. My mother's a wonderful cook, but she didn't. The thing is, though, she she didn't do this all the time because she was a working woman. She was an economist. She worked full time, and so she really there wasn't a lot of time. She went to work early and came home early so that she had had time. And she did like to be the one making the dinner, and you know, even if it was going to be on the table late, and she was a bit harried, and, you know, like mm. a little bit, there was, you know, but it's grumpiness and fatigue. To. She still and she and she felt like it was important. I think you know, it was, it was like. And did you have brothers and sisters? A brother. Just yes. a brother. My so. brother's a great cook. I think my brother's maybe a better cook than I am, actually. <laughs> he's great. And he's one of those people. Well, he's like this with everything. He's, he's extremely talented. At, in fact, everything he does. Everyone, I mean, anyone who knows him who would listen to this would be like, oh, that's so him. That's so Brandon, of course, at his wedding. Some people are like, how did you grow up with him? He's just everything he does. But uh, he can just throw together something and then it's... It's delicious, but it's not is meticulous. He an artist too? No, he's um, he's a law professor, but he is also an artist. He, mm. he does; he can do all of the things and <laughs> and well. I don't know. So it feels like but, a very happy family. Yeah, it was was a, uh, a cozy and it's family. interesting that your mother made things that not every mother made um, during that time, especially mm. when they were starting to 
work mm. because they were labor-intensive dishes you're talking about, gnocchi and pizza dough I mean, and I even lasagna. This is not uh, a la minute cooking. I mean, I feel like we also sometimes had like microwave nonsense and, you know, I okay. don't know, microwave popcorn. All right, so and, a normal family. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. like the cereals that my mom would never think of buying now and mm. instant oatmeal and packets, I remember, which I thought were so good and now just seem... Well, certain things do become fashionable, horrible. But it was like the 80s. I don't know. I feel like the food, the the things we ate in the 80s, maybe. They were new and exciting. No, they were. Microwaves were very exciting. I remember, at least in my family, microwaves were. So tell me about smells. Are there any smells that really come to mind? Mm. Anything that triggers? Do you have a Proust's Madeleine moment? Um, I'm not sure that I do. I mean, the smell of garlicky tomato sauce is just one of my absolute favorite smells and always will be. I could eat like just bowls of, of sauce, you know, a little mm. bit of bread. And just I agree. Sometimes I think who needs the pasta, right? Just yeah. the, the bread and yeah. the sauce. My, my father and I both always, always ask for extra sauce, um, like in, in an actual bowl when we get, when we go out for pizza, which I don't know if that's a thing anyone else does, but we have to have <laughs> no, more I'm sauce. I'm not sure they do, but what a good idea. <laughs> I think I will do that. I love the sauce. Um, so when did you actually start cooking? When you had your own family or was it out of necessity or desire? Were you emulating your mother? I think it was really out of necessity, to be honest, because mm-hmm. out of out of college, I moved to New York and did not have money and I could not go out to eat. I was living in New York and it's so glamorous and there's so much good food and, and I'm like, I couldn't pay for that. I mean, I, I could barely, That's a very familiar story. I could barely pay my rent and what was I doing? Everything was too much. I, well, I don't know why, what I was thinking, living where I was living and, do, you know, it was just all, you know, just at the, at the edge, really pushing the edges. And so I remember once I found was it a $20 bill or maybe two $20 bills on the ground? And mm. and I picked them up and I was looking around furtively. Which, can I just take this? What, what do I do? And, mm-hmm. and I, I, it seemed like I, I could just take it. And so I did. But then I just had this anxiety, like, was that the right thing to do? Which And I felt like I, I, the, the safest thing was just to immediately convert it into food. And I went down <laughs> to my... Not traceable. I get just, that. Yeah, right away. So I went to my corner store. There was no time to walk to, you know, C-Town. I got it just immediately. Closest bodega. <laughs> Turned that into, you know, some leeks. And I, I actually had never cooked Some leeks? I remember buying leeks and I had never... What a funny memory. Why? I know. Why did I do that though? Because I never... Because they're expensive and you had all I had never used loot. them. And I felt like I had to make this... <laughs> I made this huge cauldron of... My roommate had this huge pot. I didn't have any pots. And and she's, she's actually a good cook, but she was never home. She was, she was trying to... She was an um, aspiring actress and so she was waitressing. So she was never around when I was around and... But yeah, I made this giant cauldron of soup and it actually came out. It was terrible. I, and it was terrible. I, it was terrible and I ate all of it. <laughs> it was wholesome and and it was my my magic soup and and I, I ate it. But And your magic soup. And that reminds me that you need to write that story for maybe your next <laughs> book. Natalie, this is amazing to hear about your past in order to really talk about mm. the present. Yes. And we'll do that when we come back. Here's a cooking tip to share. This one from my guest, Natalie Eve Garrett. Natalie, we've been talking so much about food, and now I'd like to know, do you have a cooking tip to share? 
I mean, like I said, I'm, I can be a very improvisational kind of cook. One of my favorite things, I do a lot of things with the chickpeas. I like making desserts out of them. And I have a dessert, a chickpea dessert recipe in my cookbook. And, you know, of course, my hummuses and, and all that kind of thing. And I also really like making sweet roasted chickpeas, which I feel like a lot of recipes online for roasted chickpeas are savory. I don't know why there aren't more sweet ones, but, but I like roasting them. Nice big roasting pan, just, with, you know, very sparse layer of the chickpeas on 350 for 40 minutes and then, and without any oil or, or anything. And then I take them out and I uh, toss them with just, you know, quickly, roughly, and, you know, on the baking sheet with a tablespoon of, you know, maybe coconut oil and maybe a bit of a tablespoon of maple syrup. And then um, sometimes I'll do like a granola and throw in some some coconut and and so it gets the, the sweetness and then it has a little bit of the saltiness because I'll often just use canned chickpeas in a pinch, just quickly throw it in. So it's got the salt and the sweet and, and a little bit of the oil and then put that in for three more minutes. And then they kind of clump together and you can just eat it by the by the handful. It's like having caramel corn, but it's crunchy and it's and it's roasted chickpeas. I love it. That's a wonderful cooking tip. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> From Natalie's kitchen to yours. Give it a try and pass it along. (laughs) Natalie, what's so amazing about listening to your story is that I think it really empowers almost anyone who has a creative idea to to go for it, Mm. to really try to manifest it in in some Mm. way. Tell me about the actual first step you took for Eat Joy. You had already had a successful book, so Mm. obviously it makes it a little bit easier. Right, yes. But yes. you have 31 writers. Yes. I'm very interested in your process. How did you mm. choose the writers? How did you go about it? Was the idea fully formed when you started? Did you already have the title? How I, does I, that work? I did. Someone just asked me. I did already have I, the idea formed in my mind with a title. The subtitle this came much later, and that was chosen by my publisher. Can I say that? But, but it, I, in my mind, it was Eat Joy. Stories and recipes for dark times, mm. and mm-hmm. and that's how I I saw and now it, the and, and that's how I sold is it. Stories and comfort food from yes. thirty one celebrated writers. Yes. I can see where that might have a little more universal appeal. Yes, no, I understand. Of you course. want people to read your beautiful book when they're also happy. Uh, yes, and the idea of comfort food True. speaks volumes. And mm. you said something before. I just want to reference. You said yeah. something about comfort food, and that you didn't. But you didn't eat it all the time. And I think that's exactly mm-hmm. the nature of comfort food, isn't it? Right. It, right. That we choose to have it at very special right. moments. Um, anyway, so back to your process and, and how you got started. The idea sort of unfurled in my mind sort of all, all at once with the, with the title and with that variation of the subtitle. And I wrote it down and wrote out the email pitch, what I would send to perspective contributors, people I hoped would be my contributors. So you already had, well, how many people in mind did you have? Because you wound up with 31. I how many letters did you send out? I don't know how many I sent out. More than 31. <laughs> yes, definitely more than 31. But also, to you people, send out more, and then there's knew? also a, yes. a whittling also. So there's that too. But. So each one of the authors that you had written to, you had read their work before or did other people recommend them? I mean, it was really all because I, I didn't sell the book just based on the idea. I actually had a proposal. So I had submission people submitted before it was sold, which really is 
is amazing and very moving to me. That was the same with my cookbook I had. So I, I amassed a number of really wonderful contributors, really wonderful essays. And I had not, I had no promise of sale, but they believed in the project and wanted to be a part of but it. Natalie, and chose. this is actually fascinating because mm. you had not done a cookbook before. You're an artist, right. um, you know, I guess of some renown, but you had perfect strangers and well-known yes. writers Yes. Share yes. with you. Yeah, I, did, so I somehow did that with my cookbook and this. It's incredibly moving and it is very inspiring. I felt I You felt, must write great emails, Natalie. I'm a, I'm a professional emailer. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. Um, I, and I, what did you ask for, for this book in particular, for Eat Joy? You said, I'm writing this book and I'm looking for beautiful food-related stories that deal with blank. I feel like my my invite might have had it was a lot like my my introduction in fact because a lot of my introduction when it came time to put together an introduction a lot of it came from my emails is that is that strange I don't know right like this so I have this paragraph when I embarked on this collection is it all right if I of course read a little bit I hoped to create a feast of stories about making mistakes summoning strength getting lost and trying to find a way back I hungered for compassionate stories that reveled in taste, whether savory, bitter, or sweet. Stories that used food as a conduit for unearthing memories. And I actually, I talked about, that's, that's the kind of thing I talked about. I asked, I asked them to chronicle the hard times, immigration challenges, chronic illness, loss, heartbreak, and more, and the foods that help them make it through. I gathered tips for scavenging, foraging, and scrimping, meditations on eating and friendship, and finding comfort in eating alone the secrets to favorite stress-relieving meals, nourishment in the face of addiction, unusual cravings, tales of troubled relationships with food, healing recipes. I actually had all of that in my invitation. Well, but I sure would send you something had I gotten that email. <gasps> That's really beautiful. Oh, thank you. So uh, the, the book is divided into four sections. Yes. You have growing pains, loss, yes. healing, and homecoming. So I'm imagining how exciting it was for you to read all of the essays mm. that you got and to create a structure for them. Mm. I also noticed that there's actually some overlap in the sections too and yes. how challenging that must have been for you to decide what yes. went where. Yes. Um, so tell me a little bit about how this happened, these four in particular. I, again, actually had the chapters in mind before wow. making the book, except the growing pains in my mind was called Journey. And then and then it, it changed. And it, I still understand what my thought process was, but but I love the name Growing Pains. And then there was one additional chapter that now I can't even remember what it was. And it sort of folded into something. But I had a feeling that the arc, this would be the arc. It it seemed, I don't know, it seemed like Feels the way the book, organic. It felt like the way the book was meant to be and and... But it's true that many of them could go in multiple categories because a lot of them have, you know, when you talk, when you think of growing up and, and a lot of them grapple with, you know, adversity and challenge. And so there, there is sort of the, an element of loss or of struggle. And then in these essays, there's also the, you know, restorative healing aspect. So, mm. so let me ask you, what makes a compelling food story anyway? Mm. I mean, something that I love about food stories, and I don't, I don't know if I can answer your question exactly. But I think that food is just such a wonderful way into the heart of a story. Mm -hmm. And I think because it involves, you know, all of our senses, it's, it really is a way to, you know, transport us and bring us back to something that so involves, you know, touch and taste and smell. And so it's very, 
accessible that way. I think it also, for, for this book, I think food can have such a healing and medicinal, you know, restorative aspect. I think in part because, because you eat and it's, it, it puts you into the moment. That's something I've been thinking about recently, the connection between food and joy and how food, you know, triggers your senses and it brings you back into the moment. And I think it sort of connects you with a sense of gratitude and, mm. and I think, which is in itself healing. Lovely. So. Now, each story has a recipe, right? They so do. that really makes it very appealing. Yes. And you must have some favorites, right? <laughs> what are some of the favorite stories for you? I mean, you oh have gosh. amazing titles, uh, mm. Grief Pickles. That's one I that's really appealing that. to me. Oh, I love that one so uh, much. Bake Your Fear. That's oh. beautiful. No Alzheimer's in India is very intriguing. Mm. Uh, Friends, Grief, and Green Chilies, I see Mm. written by Rosie Schapp, who's Mm. a a really favorite writer uh, for me, A Brief Recipe for Happiness. Anyway, they're all, you know, so delicious sounding. What are are some of your favorites? Thank you. I mean, it's like favorite children. I don't know. Can I have, can I have favorites? (laughs) I love, I love qualities about each of them. I I mean, I would not have opted to include them um, if they, if I didn't. If, they, if I didn't feel so so strongly about all of them, and I really I really do, I feel like it depends on my not my mood, but you know where I'm at in my in my life, or or maybe even in my day, you know which ones affect me more. I don't know if they're favorites, but some affect me more deeply on certain mm-hmm. days. So there's there's this line in in Anthony Doerr's piece, for example, about um, he he calls out to his son to see if his son will join him to make brownies because it's this nostalgic thing for him and he used to you know relish doing that and you know he used to do that with his kids when they were younger and they'd you know mm. lick the batter and and he wants his son to join him and his son's like no no dad i'm good i'm, I'm busy he's like playing a video game <laughs> what, what talk about rejection he's right? playing a video game upstairs and he says like you know he understands but he, like the heart the heart fractures a little bit and i just mm. you know you feel that. i mean i've got little kids at home so how old are your children they're my son is six almost seven my daughter's nine and are they cooking? I, I, if I was making brownies, they would want to help me. Yes, and good. I'd probably. But I'm not very good at cooking with other people. That's a that's a thing about me. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know what I think. I just I'm, and I actually wrote about that in my intro for my cookbook. How it's a lot like um, when when I'm really enjoying cooking. It's I, I enjoy doing it. It is like a one woman kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really I'm sitting here with a big smile on my I, face. I right? really enjoy the <laughs> the solitude, and I can I feel like I have more opportunity to be creative when I'm when I have just the quiet and the space. And it's sort of the same with my writing or painting. I just want I just want to be alone. But I mean, I'm a people person too. I just I think for creative endeavors, I like the. I think it's possible to be all of those things. Yes. I, I really do. Yes, yes. But my kids would want to help stir and I'd be like, okay, but let's not spill the flour. And I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah, so that really, that line. My heart fractures. Yeah, my heart. He, you know, he calls out, anyone want to lick the bowl? Oh, you know, okay, that's okay, dad. Comes the call back down to me. More for me, I say, although of course the heart fractures a little. Mm. And so we watch them inch out along the tightrope, doing their damnedest to rebel and conform at the same time. And then he's... He's sitting on the bottom stair, you know, licking the batter <laughs> on his own. The dad is. Um, the da- yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, Anthony Dorr. Poignant so moment. Yeah. That one you know what I love so much, too, about this book? And again, it, we're on One Woman Kitchen. And we yeah. talk specifically about 
women, but mm. I noticed that you really do have a lot of men that mm. you've chosen to include them. Yes. And, uh, and you also mentioned your brother. So I'm really oh. thinking now about, hmm. you know, how important it is to really think about men too and, <laughs> and food and cooking and being part of a, a one-woman kitchen. Mm. Yeah, 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 and I, I and I see you have Nick Flynn, who is also another favorite writer of mine. I'm oh, crazy about his work. I was um, just thinking of him when, yeah, because his piece has some lines too that really get me. Just, what do you want the reader to come away with? Because you mentioned something really nice hmm. about uh, you had different favorites at different times, yes, depending on your mood, right? So, yes, it, do you want the reader to kind of pick it up at different times and have different experiences with the book? I mean, I think that would be amazing. I. I don't think there'd be sort of a wrong way to do it. I think some people might want to cook everything and other people might just want to be hungry when they read it and then, you know, go go buy some kanji or go, you know, you know and then and, and not necessarily recreate the dishes, but just sort of relish reading it. Because sometimes, I mean, I think there's a real pleasure in reading a, a nice recipe too and not necessarily always making it, but just enjoying the language and and the idea you know that it conjures in your mind well it's very um, interesting you say that because i actually teach a class at the mm. new school called the language of, of menus looking at oh, menus and poetry oh i love that because very similar things are happening in our brains right mm. we're looking at right? words on yeah. a page yes. and yet what's going on we feel things deeply we can taste we can yearn hunger for mm. and um, i do think that they're very similar experiences reading a recipe and yeah. reading a poem i agree that's so interesting i and love Natalie, that you told me that you brought me a poem so oh, can I you did. read it can i read me? the whole poem or just a I part of it? it it's 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 not terribly long this poem is called Perhaps the World Ends Here. Oh, my God, Natalie. It's my favorite. Is it? By Joy Harjo. By Joy Harjo. Oh, my God. I can't believe that you brought that. <laughs> it is my favorite oh poem. Oh, my gosh. Please read it. Okay. I will read it. Oh, I hope I do justice to your favorite poem. But it's, I mean, it's it's so wonderful, however I And she just I, became the Poet Laureate of America of the United States. I don't the know first Native American woman to become the Poet Laureate. So the fact that you brought it was so meant to be. Oh, my gosh. It's such a good poem. I mean, it really, it just, when I read it, I was just incredibly, incredibly moved. Perhaps the world ends here. The world begins at a kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on the table. So it has been since creation, and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teeth at the corners. They scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men at it. We make women. At this table, we gossip, recall enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves and as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table and have prepared our parents for burial here. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. 
we give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite. Hmm. So you read beautiful. that beautifully. Thank you, Thank you so much. Such a beautiful poem. Natalie, when we come back, we want to hear about your joyful book party last night oh, and you. about your legacy recipe oh, and yes. about what's coming up for you. And the gate to the garden of fulfilled desire is reached by a road. Follow me on Instagram at Roseanne Gold. And check out everything I'm up to on my website at rosangold.com. We are always so worried or thinking about, am I happy or am I happy? And I, mm. the older I get, I really think about uh, the idea of wholeness as opposed to happiness. So, mm. you know, everything that you are and that we've talked about. And again, this book really is about uh, is about that. I also want to say when I mentioned before that I want to actually eat this book because it's adorable. It's, it's got a great trim size. It's beautiful, a beautiful cover, cover and also beautiful illustrations by Meryl Rowan. You know, it, it is just such a bonus to the beautiful Ooh. writing and to the yes. recipes. By the way, was were there any surprises just in terms of the recipes? I'm sure you tested them and have eaten them. Was there anything you never had before? I actually haven't made everything in this book. It wasn't important to me necessarily that they be, you know, flawless. That that, that, that I mean, I think, I think part of the, the right. Charm it's a book is about literary from, writing. And it's not from about, them. It's their yes. recipe. It's not their recipe that I then converted into something else that's more mm -hmm. my recipe. It's, Good. Thank it's, you for that. Uh, it's a very honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and some of them, I just wanted to relish reading them, not necessarily. Also, I will say this. This is just a quirk of of me, and and I'm being I'm being very honest. I obviously have, have a love of recipes. I've done now two books that have recipes in them. But I have such a hard time following a recipe. Mm, you and me both. I, <laughs> I, it's my inner rebel or my inner artist, I have to put my own stamp on everything. And I was joking last night, but this is actually, it, it's funny, but it's actually true that, well, I told you how I used to publish some of my own recipes, you know, for, it was, you know, a quiet, but, but joyful and very, and, and, um, and such a pleasure for, for the hairpin. And, you know, for example, you know, it's just homey kind of things, you know, there's a vegetable lentil soup that I, that I really quite love and has a tomato based broth. And it's, you know, I add a little Parmesan at the end and it's just, it's so nice. And I love making it with Swiss chard in it and I have it in the fall and it's perfect. And sometimes I forget how, how to make it. And so I Google the hairpin and I find, you know, Natalie's recipe. recipe and, but I can't even follow my own recipe. I have to then do a twist on a recipe I literally wrote myself. But I don't, there's just something about improvisation. I just, I can't, I, I love it. Well, it's a very painterly approach, right? Mm, yeah. Yes. You don't paint by the numbers, Natalie. No. So this is Although you, you I create. can take it too far. And then mm. I'm always surprised. What? It didn't work out that I changed, you know, seven things. But but sometimes I do take it too well, far. Well, food and ingredients also have a life of their own, right? Yes, that's true. And uh, having written 13 cookbooks, Natalie, oh my gosh. and 3,500 recipes oh my in my gosh. lifetime, I Amazing. really am relating to what you're yes. saying. Amazing. You, you know what I'm saying more I than do. I know what I'm saying. So yes. I, I do want to hear about your book party because oh. you came, you live in Washington, you came yes. up, you, I think it was in Brooklyn. It was, night, And yes. it was your big launch. It was. So who was there? Oh my gosh. Some of your writers, was there food served? Yes. Who came? Oh, there was not... 
there was not food. My cookbook launch, they did food, but no, um, it was, it was at Books Are Magic. So yeah, not, there was no, there were no food, there was just food in our hearts and in our minds. And mm-hmm. I had my smoothie, but, <laughs> but um, Rakesh Satyal was there and he did the Bake Your Fear essay and he read he read the essay he read the mm. whole essay i wanted everyone to read five five to eight minutes but it ended up being he read a little bit quickly and made it through the whole thing and it was so wonderful and i was trying not to cry a lot of these pieces you like you might need a tissue box nearby but but it's like a good kind of cry it's a i think a, a cathartic cry not a not a well a oh tissue i don't box want to or a box of chocolate right you might want oh yes then one. you might be hungry yeah you might <laughs> cry and then you want to eat and then you want to laugh and and some of them are quite funny too i mean his piece actually has a lot of like i was laughing and i felt moved and you know like in the, in the best like i wanted to cry but in the best way like in the most heartwarming it's such a compassionate essay and so so he read and that was terrific and um porochista kakpur read from her piece and lev grossman read his about general general so tofu which i think is quite funny and and he's a wonderful reader with this very resonant voice and very dramatic voice and dramatic presentation so yeah it was such a it was such a joy and i've read these pieces all oh my gosh i mean i want to say hundreds of times because that's what it feels like you know the process of making a book there's such intimacy and such care and it's it's a lot but now it's it's all different it's all new again because i got to hear it so you know, wonderful. From, and their voices. Natalie, do you have a legacy recipe for us? Oh, I love this. I'm going to share one and I hope it's all right that it's it's not, you know, my lentil soup. Like I mentioned, it's it's not a recipe that's actually mine. It's from my it's from Nonna Gatta. It's from Sperina Gatta, my my grandmother. I just thought there would be something really special about sharing a family treat because Wonderful. You know, because legacy means yes. something different to everyone. And I yes. would love to hear her recipe. So this is an applesauce cake. So it has a stick of butter, a cup of brown sugar, two eggs, a cup of applesauce. And I like it with chopped apples, but a cup of applesauce is how my mom does it. Uh, one and a half cups of unbleached flour, a teaspoon baking soda, half baking powder, one teaspoon cinnamon, one teaspoon cloves, a cup of raisins. And it's two layers. And then my mom added a cream cheese and walnut frosting. You have another book on the way I, that's I being birthed? Yes, it is being birthed. It's still it's still in the early stages, but it's it's getting there. It's it's growing. <laughs> um, but that is it's about loneliness and it invariably has food too as because we all have to eat. There's a story that has the bottom of a pickle barrel, actually. A lot of pickles. It's a very like, lonely pick, place. Pickles at the <laughs> bottom of the pickle barrel. It's just it's perfect. But um but it's yeah, it's a it's a collection to honor honor the lonely times. So, Which we all experience, of yes, course. Sometimes I think we forget that, right? It's not just us, but yeah, I think that uh, everyone it, I think that makes it a little less lonely, which is something I think I really love about the collection. The stories aren't necessarily I didn't ask for a narrative arc that involved, you know, something restorative. People are just telling telling the story however it is. So maybe there is that arc um, and it comes back around to joy. Maybe mm. maybe it doesn't quite come around. But I think ultimately reading them, I think, will be a very cathartic and healing thing because it's this reminder that we all, just like in, in Eat Joy, you know, we all we all experience, you know, the taste of of loss and and loneliness. And I think there's something, it. yeah, there's something joy. very healing about that. As I ask all my guests, Natalie, mm. 
What does One Woman Kitchen mean to you? So, yeah, for me, food is is all about connection. Even if you're eating by yourself, I feel like there's still this kind of quiet intimacy. You know, you're eating something that was lovingly grown or, you know, lovingly prepared by someone. Um, or if you're cooking from a recipe, you've got these steps that were lovingly crafted and, you know, time-consumingly laid out and and in the most succinct way. And, and, and there's just so much care that goes into all of it. And it's kind of like this feeling of kind of holding hands like through the recipe with someone who's, you know, offering you this, this guidance, sort of like connecting you know, with creators past and present, or, you know, maybe it's your, your ancestors or the people that you're cooking for. There's, there are all these layers of, of intimacy. And that's just, that's what comes to mind when I think of, I think of one woman, but then also this really beautiful, very personal, profound connection between women or just between, between cooks, between creators. Mm. Um, so, so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your joy, sharing your work, sharing your ideas about life and food and poetry, and for being with me on One Woman Kitchen. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to all of you for listening to me and Natalie today in my kitchen. I'm Roseanne Gold. One Woman Kitchen is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2019. Follow me on Instagram at Roseanne Gold and check out everything I'm up to on my website at RoseanneGold.com. And if you're wondering about my beautiful theme music, it's called The Garden, written and performed by award-winning singer-songwriter Audrey Appleby. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Connect.